0: So throughout the Torah, throughout all of scripture, Israel is split into 12 tribes. We know that today Israel does not seem to have 12 tribes anymore, but they were split into 12 tribes throughout the entire scriptural period, and or most of the scriptural period of scripture, not the entire. Um, but it really starts with Jacob, with this week's Parsha, because the 12 tribes are mostly, not entirely, as we'll see, the 12 sons of Jacob. So, as we mentioned before, talking about the Parsha, Jacob has first two wives, Rachel and Leah. Um, he ended up with two wives because his father-in-law tricked him. Leah had four sons straight away: Rubain, Shimon, Levi, or Levi, and Yehuda or Judah. Um, Rachel, who does not have children, convinces her father to let uh, convinces her husband Yaakov to um, have children with her maid Bilhah, something similar to what Yaakov's grandfather Abraham had done had children with Sarah's a child with Sarah's maid Hagar, and so they have two sons, Dan and Naphtali. Then Leah seems to be jealous of the fact that um, that uh, Rachel's uh, maid had children with Yaakov. She convinces Yaakov to have children with her own maid Zilpa. Um, Yaakov and Zilpah, have two children, Gad and Naphtali. and then after that Leah has two more sons, Yisachar and Zebulun, followed by a daughter, Dina, so 11 sons and a daughter all together born from four different wives while they are in Haran, and then when they come, then Rachel finally has a son, Joseph, after all the other sons are born. And then about eight years later, after uh, they spend some time more time in Haran and Jacob makes it back, which itself is a very long journey discussed in next week's Parsha, um, Jacob makes it back finally to the land of Israel. And then towards the end of the Parsha, towards the end of their journey, um, Benjamin, the youngest of the last of the 12 sons, is born, Benjamin. And uh, Rachel, his mother, dies in um in childbirth and she's buried there in Bethlehem um, right where he's born right before they get to Hebron which is where their father Isaac lived so altogether, there are 12 sons these 12 sons become the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel now what's unique is about Jacob is Abraham had a number of sons Um, he had Yishmael and Yitzchak where the original Torah tells us he had six more sons uh, but only all the other sons were rejected by God. God made a covenant with Abraham that his, fam- his ch- descendants will be God's chosen people. They will get the promised land. But God continued that promise only through that covenant, only through one son, through Yitzchak, through Isaac. God continued the covenant through Isaac and told him so explicitly, told Abraham so. Um, but Isaac, Yitzchak, and Rivka have two sons, Yaakov and Esau, Jacob and Asa. And Je- Yitzhak, at the end of last week's parsha, and then God in this week's parsha rejects Asaph and continues the covenant exclusively through Yaakov. Yaakov, though, all 12 of his sons continue this covenant. So while Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are each exclusive fathers of the Jewish people, in other words, all their, their descendants, all of Israel are essentially their descendants, at least those that are biologically uh, descendants of the original Um, tribes. Um, The uh, Yaakov's 12 sons, each son becomes the ancestor of a different tribe but each one remains in the fold, remains part of this group which later becomes known as the Bnei Yisrael, as Israel, the children of Israel um, which was the second name that God gave Jacob. So these become the 12 tribes. Uh, Now the 12 tribes each go, the 12 sons of Yaakov, some of them have their own incidents. Um, Reuben, um, right after his youngest brother Benjamin is born and um, Rachel dies, Reuben is now somewhat older. Uh, there's a big age gap between Joseph, the youngest of the 11, the second youngest son, and Benjamin, the youngest. They're about eight years difference. Um, and Reuben is some years older than, than Joseph. Um, so Reuben, the Torah tells us about this incident with Reuben and Bilhah, the um, Jacob's wife. Um, the way the Torah words it is that Reuben lay with Bilhah, Jacob's wife. And um, then our sages say, well, it doesn't really mean that he had an affair with her, but it has other meanings, he did other things. Um, exactly what happened, uh, Talmud discusses, or say the Midrashim discusses, uh, we don't ultimately, we don't know exactly what happened. Something happened that uh, made Um, Not God reject Reuben, but Reuben lost his role as the oldest son. Usually the oldest would be kind of the leader of the brothers, but Reuben lost that role and was not really considered a leader of the brothers um, throughout the story. Um, And the leader of the brothers, of course, later becomes Joseph uh, towards kind of the end of the story. Um, Then there's the next two sons, Shimon and Levi. they uh, themselves get into a little bit of trouble. Uh, first, in next week's parsha, uh, their sister Dina is ro- kidnapped by Shechem, the son of the leader of the town of Shechem. And um, she is raped. And so they trick the, fam- the people of Shechem into circumcising, promising that they will kind of merge tribes with them. And then Shimon and Levi go and kill out all the men of Shechem, um, of the town. And so Yaakov was not happy about that, um, understandably. Then not because of the killing itself, to be clear, because they felt it was just. Uh, this was a town. The entire town was covering up a kidnapping and rape, and so therefore deserved it. Um, and, uh, but they were more upset, and Jacob seems to be more upset <coughs> about the irresponsibility of it. It's irresponsible because you're putting the family in danger. Um, then later, Shimon and Levi seem to be the ones that actually sell Joseph. So Joseph later, the, um, the other sons are of the older 11 sons. The, others, the 10 sons do not get along with Joseph, and they end up selling him as a slave. And Shimon and Levi tend to be the pri- seem to be the primary uh, people responsible for that sale. Um, and later Jacob admonishes them, um, Reuben, Shimon, and Levi at the end of his life. The fourth son Yehuda has his own incident that the Torah tells us in great detail, um, where he had an affair with his daughter-in-law after his son had died. His sons had died, his daughter-in-law Tamar, and they actually have two children together, um, Peretz and Chetron, who, um, uh, 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 Peretz and Zarah, sorry, who um, Judah actually raises as his own children. Um, uh, But Judah seems to at least later be the lead brother other than Joseph. And uh, what's interesting is that the two leaders of among the brothers, among the twelve sons of Jacob, Judah, who's the one that later is going to confront Joseph, um, he's responsible actually for jo- for selling Joseph. He's the actually sold Joseph. Uh, and uh, Judah who seems to be a leader among the brothers, and Joseph, who's the clear leader of the brothers, later become the two dominant tribes of Israel. Their descendants later become the two dominant tribes. So. The story of their of these brothers' lives then continue. They sell Joseph. Joseph ends up going through a lot of difficult years until eventually he becomes leader of Egypt. Eventually he meets the brothers. At first he treats his brothers harshly. And once he sees they truly regret having sold him, he then reveals himself to his brothers. Um, uh, and he then invites them to come down to Egypt with their families and offers to support them and their families for their entire lives. Now, and he does so, so the, before Jacob's death, now by the time of Jacob's death, um, the sons of Jacob already have children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. It's already become a whole tribe. There's seven, when Jacob comes down to Egypt 17 years before his death, there's 70 male descendants. So there's a, it's, a, it's become a large family. Um, so before his death, Jacob calls Joseph And he tells Joseph that each of the sons of Jacob are each going to be their own tribe. And he is designating, he had this promise from God that he was going to have two more tribes and he never had them. So he is designating Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, as each being their own tribe. So essentially he's splitting the tribe of Joseph into two, the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. So now there are two, there's an additional tribe with Joseph being split into two. However, what ends up happening is later, when Israel later becomes slaves in Egypt and Moses takes them out of Egypt, when Israel come out of Egypt and now they're a very, very large nation, 600,000 men, probably one and a half to two million people, um, a very large nation, they're split into 12 tribes. Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, are both split into, uh, are each their own tribe. But the tribe of Levi, Levi, is not counted as a tribe. Our sages say that what happened was, and Levi, the tribe of Levi, is firstly much smaller than the other tribes, but the tribe of Levi was told by Jacob to be the spiritual leaders of the rest of Israel, and they should dedicate their time to service of God, to study, um, whatever they had then, the pre-proto-Torah, whatever they may have had then, to connecting to God to praying to God and that should be their dedication and they should not work and they will be supported by the rest of the family. And as a result, the tribe of Levi were never became slaves in Egypt. And so therefore they didn't grow as much as the rest of Egypt, Israel who grew the more they were enslaved uh, that's why they're much smaller but they were kind of considered distinct and unique and separate from the 12 tribes of Israel. So when we speak of 12 tribes of Israel, we're actually speaking of Joseph as having two tribes, splitting into two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. But the tribe of Levi is not a tribe at all. It is a tribe, but it doesn't count among the 12 tribes. It stands alone. Yes? You said like the Le- Levites would not ever become slaves in Egypt? Mm-hmm. So Pharaoh did not make them slaves together with everybody else. The Talmud explains the way that happened was Pharaoh started by making people work. And so he was essentially making them work. It wasn't originally slavery. It slowly evolved into slavery. How do you make a large number of people slaves suddenly? So he started making them work, requiring them to work. Um, Levi never agreed to work to start with. Since they never agreed to work, they were never got enslaved. So as they, so after they leave Egypt, there's now 12 tribes plus Levi. God tells Moses that these tribes should each camp separately. They are told that they should count the numbers of each tribe. Um, there are various... Uh, the, the numbers really vary. Um, Judah is very, very large, has 74,000 male descendants above the age of 20. Um, so you could probably... You know, more than double these numbers to get a full number. So Judah was very large. Um, Ephraim and Manasseh um, together had about the same, over 70,000. Um, while there were some tribes, the smallest of the tribes was Benjamin and 35,000, but they were all somewhat sizable tribes. The tribe of Levi is not counted among the 12 tribes, they're counted separately. The tribe of Levi has 22,000. Um, including ch- males, including children. So it's a significantly smaller than any of the other tribes. Um, and so and they're counted separately, not among, them, when we say that it was 600,000 men, it doesn't include the tribe of Levi, they're counted separately. So the Torah tells us that each tribe should have a flag. Each tribe should have a flag. Each tribe is going to be distinct. And so the Torah doesn't give us a list of the flags. The Midrashim do, the Midrash, the Midrash tells us that the tribe of Reuben had a jasmine plant, which was something that Reuben, there was a story earlier where Reuben had brought Dudaim or jasmines to his mother. And so the jasmine plant was, a, uh, was on Reuben's Ruben, flag. Shimon's flag was the city of Shechem, the city that he had destroyed. Um, Levi themselves had a flag, which were, they weren't really a tribe, but they had a flag, which was the breastplate of the high priest we we'll talk about in a moment. Judah, um, Jacob compares Judah to a lion, so Judah had a lion on his flag. Dan, they, um, J- Jacob compared Dan to a snake, so Dan had a snake on his flag. Naphtali is compared to a gazelle, so he had a gazelle. They had a gazelle on their flag. God, um, Jacob spoke about God's troops, so they had military troop or uh, military camp on their flag. Um, Asher was blessed with. Um, olive oil and so they had an olive tree on their flag. Um, Yisachar, it says um, had a um, was the sun and moon on their flag. Zebulun it says was blessed as merchants so they had a ship on their flag. Benjamin was blessed as a wolf and so he had a wolf on his flag and Joseph had been blessed as a bull Um, So Ephraim, one of Joseph's two tribes, had a bull while Menashe had another animal called a Re'em. Re'em was a large horned um, bovine animal from the cow family that that was around in Biblical times mentioned many, many times in Scripture. It it is since since extinct. There's various theories as to exactly which animal this is but there's no animal in that region that matches the description of the Re'em that is mentioned dozens of times in Scripture. Uh, but it was this large. It was definitely from the cow family. And um, it um, was very extreme, described as being extremely large um, with horns. Um, and uh, it, there, there may be this various animals and kind of extinct animals from that region that they think it may be. So the 12 tribes of Israel were then told that they would camp. Each one, so the 12 tribes were also found on the breastplate of the high priest. The, breastplate, the high priest had a plate in front of him on his chest. That's why it's called a breastplate. Choshen. And it had 12 stones um, in um, four rows, three stones each. And um, it had, uh, and each one, each stone, was it was a precious stone that had engraved on it the name of a different tribe. And so that way God always remembered the 12 tribes. In addition, he had two onyx stones on his um, shoulder pads and each stone had six tribes, names of six tribes engraved on it. So there were these, um, so the tribes would always be mentioned or remembered before God when the high priest did the service in the temple. The Torah then tells us that the 12 tribes of Israel, should be split into four groups and each group should should um, each group should um, camp in a different on a different side so you'll have the temper temple in the center and then on each side of the temple will be a different group so to the east would be judah together with Issachar and zavulin to the south would be reuben god and shimon and god to the west would be Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benyamin. And to the north would be Dan, Naphtali, and Asher. And these were the groupings of the tribes, and they would kind of each camp by their groupings. And the Levites would be in the center around the Mishkan. Not counted, of course, as, the, um, as one of the 12 tribes. And interestingly, the Midrash tells us that this grouping of how they were to... Um, this grouping of how they were to camp was actually Jacob originally, when, his, when he died, that he instructed his 12 sons to carry his coffin. Then he said they should carry his coffin in the same way, each three of three on each side. Joseph should not carry his coffin, Ephraim, and Manasseh should carry it instead. And Levi should not carry his coffin. So again, the 12 tribes, two of Joseph's sons, not including Levi, the 12 sons each carried his coffin in the same formation as they would later camp in the desert. So each tribe, when they enter the land of Israel, each tribe is given a portion of the land of Israel. Um, The Torah tells us that Reuben, Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh asked Moses for permission to settle east of the Jordan River, in what today would be Jordan or Transjordan. They settled east of the Jordan River, was a land that Moshe himself had led Israel to capture from Amorite kings Sihon and Og, and um, Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh get to settle in that land. Uh, So settle in that land. Then the other nine and a half tribes are given land in the land of Israel itself. Now, one thing I should have also mentioned from their time in the desert, Shimon goes through a um, rough event. Um, It appears that there was a time told in the um, Torah how um, the Moabite of Midianite girls seduced Jewish men and got them to worship idols and there was a plague that killed 22,000 of Israel um, and most of them appear to be from the tribe of Shimon. And so Shimon essentially has from the beginning there's two countings in the Torah, one at the beginning when they left Egypt, the second one right before they entered the promised land. Shimon more than halves its population from the first counting to the second counting. It goes from being a very sizable tribe to being a very tiny tribe Numbering only about 20,000 members. And so it's gone to be becoming very, very small. And so Shimon, after this, does not really become its own independent tribe. Moshe is still upset at Shimon when he blesses all 12 tribes. He only blesses 11 of them. He skips Shimon. And um, Shimon later, so when they get land in the land of Israel, Judah gets the south, what today is called the Judean mountains. It's the south center of Israel. Um, starting Jerusalem is the northern part of Judah's portion, and it moves south all the way down to Be'er Sheva in the south of Israel. So the whole southern center of Israel was all Judah's portion. Shimon did not get its own portion. Shimon got little. Bit, the members of the tribe of Shimon got various plots within the area of Yehuda. And indeed, we don't really find Shimon mentioned anywhere later in Scripture, as kind of in any prominent role later in Scripture. They seem to have kind of, they still existed, but they were very small and um, insignificant. Um, Benjamin gets the land right above Judah, um, just north of Jerusalem, is the land, the mountains just north of Jerusalem, or the lands of Benjamin. Ephraim and Manasseh, the two sons of Joseph, both get the center Ephraim, just north of Benjamin and Menashe north of that. These are the mountains today known as the mountains of Samaria in central Israel. There are mountains. Um, and these are the mountains where today there's the city of, um, uh, the city of Shechem. Um, and that whole, the whole region in the center of Israel, the mountains, that is the lands of Ephraim and Menashe. And the other half of Manasseh got east of the Jordan River, um, what today is called the Golan Heights that was given to Menashe and the Gilad. Um. So then the um, other tribes, Gad, Naphtali, Asher, and Yisachar, sorry, the, um, Dan gets the central coast. Zevulun gets the northern coast, they're merchants. Gad, Naphtali, Asher, and Yisachar all get the north. They all get portions in the very north. But Dan is very upset about their portion because they get a very small portion. What happens is God tells Joshua to split the land not based on size, that everyone get an equal size plot of land, but based on value. And The area that Dan gets is very fertile, fertile. So they got very small plots. They weren't happy with their plots. They come to Joshua and complain. So Joshua says, well, if you're not happy, you're welcome to go capture land further north, you know, north of the land of Israel. And go. So they did that, and they capture land at the very, very north of Israel. And in fact, the nor- northernmost town in Israel was called the town of Dan. After the tribe and so half of Dan is on the western coast on the lo- along the Mediterranean and the other half of Dan where today Tel Aviv is that area today is actually called Dan um, in modern Israel and um, the northern and par- half of Dan was up all the way in the north um, in the north of Israel. Um, the tribe of Levi itself doesn't get its own portion but rather they're split among 48 different cities. 48 different towns all around Israel. So each tribe um, seems to be managing their own affairs in the land of Israel. Um, And for some period there was really no central government. There was a Sanhedrin, a central, um, uh, there was a temple in Shiloh during the early period. There was a Supreme Council of Judaism. There was a fellow called a Shofet or a judge. Who would essentially be the civil leader of israel the president of israel but each tribe really managed it was really a federation where each tribe seems to have managed their own affairs interestingly the talmud tells us or the midrash tells us that um, two tribes Issachar and zavulan had a very interesting deal zavulan were merchants they had the haifa bay which is um, israel's only real natural bay and um, and um, they had ships, they were merchants, traveled a lot along the Mediterranean, did a lot of business. And they had a fund. They would su- support the tribe of Yisachar. The tribe of Yisachar would mostly study Torah and we became great scholars. And they would support the um, Torah scholars of Yisachar. And um, Zavulun and Yisachar became kind of the uh, metaphor for or the model for uh, where Jews historically have always had people who studied Torah full-time, the scholars among our nation. And then there were those who supported Torah study. Uh, and those were always kind of the Zevulun people, the people from that supported those that study Torah. Yes? This is roughly what years of... So this is when they first entered the land of Israel. The land of, they entered the land of Israel, uh, according to our tradition, about 1300 B.C., Um, And the early tribal period is the first 400 years after the end of the land of Israel. So, during this period of the judges, there is this incident. um, And one day we'll do a class on it, God willing. Um, Perhaps one of the saddest incidents, one of the most unfortunate incidents in our history, where people in a town in Benjamin called Givat Ben they raped and killed a woman who was passing through. And the tribe of Benjamin refused to try the murderers and put them to try them and convict them for their crimes and the rest of Israel was furious about their refusal to control their own people who had committed crimes and so there was as a result a very bloody civil war that resulted in tens of thousands of deaths on both sides the 11 tribes against the tribe of Benjamin the tribe of Benjamin was almost entirely wiped out in this episode, leaving behind only a few hundred men were left behind, only 300 men. And so after that, the tribe of Benjamin was very, very small. It was a minuscule tribe. Um, they did not want the tribe of Benjamin to be destroyed. They allowed the tribe of Benjamin to continue, which is why they did not wipe it out. They wanted it to be 12 tribes. But Benjamin was close to being wiped out. And after that, it became a very, very minor tribe. But what's interesting is that under the prophet Samuel, Samuel united Israel into a single nation and essentially organized Israel into a single nation and then he appointed actually a Benjamite, which was at the time a tiny tribe um, because it had been mostly wiped out he appointed a Benjamite Saul to be the first king of Israel of a united kingdom Um, upon his death Israel split Um, the most of Israel chose his son, ish to be king. But the tribe of Judah chose his son-in-law, David, who was from the tribe of Judah, to be king. They didn't know that so the prophet Samuel had already previously predicted that David would be king. Um, later, um, ish has a fall, fallout with his general Avner, and Avner... Switches to David's side, and as a result, um, Ishbosheth is killed, and David unites the entire Israel under him, and he makes Israel his capital. So at this point, there are still 12 tribes, and David still rules over a kind of a federation of 12 tribes, but Judah is the largest and most dominant tribe. Along with the other major tribe is the tribes of the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, the two tribes of Joseph which are connected. They're, they're both from the same son, from Joseph. And it appears that most Jews at this time were either part of Judah or part of Ephraim and Manasseh. With the other tribes, Shimon, remember, was always a very minor tribe, Benjamin had mostly been destroyed. The other tribes were all much, much smaller. Um, and minor tribes, with the primary tribes being the Ephraim and Manasseh tribes, the two Joseph tribes, and Judah being tribes. After David's death, Solomon becomes king, and after Solomon's death, the kingdom splits. The tribes come to um, uh, come to his son Rehavam, and they say the leaders of Israel come to Rehavam, and they say we'll make you king on condition you lower our taxes. And when Rehavam refuses to lower their taxes, Um, 10 of the tribes leave him. Only Benjamin and Judah stay with Rehavam. The other 10 tribes turn to a former governor of Ephraim, whose name was Yeravam, Jeroboam, and they make him king. And now there are 10 tribes in the northern kingdom, known as the kingdom of Israel, and two tribes in the southern kingdom, known as the kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom is first based out of Shechem, uh, which is in the land of, uh, in Ephraim's portion, while the um, kingdom of Judah is based at Jerusalem in the south. And so these are these two kingdoms. Um, the southern kingdom was fairly stable. It retained house, uh, kings from the house of David for the next almost 400 years. Um, and it was pretty stable. The northern kingdom remained pretty unstable. Um, Jeroboam was king along with then later his son was king but then there was a what today we call a coup where the general essentially seized control and then it happened again and it happens again and there are about 10-15 coups over 200 years where um, you know, there, there's constant um, instability, civil wars, different people claim, different generals claim rights to the kingdom and so um, the northern kingdom is somewhat unstable. Um, There were various, there were more stable periods, less stable periods. Um, That happens for about, goes on for about 200 years. After 200 years, the Assyrians, the Assyrians were a nation that started in what today is northern Iraq, in northern Iraq on the Tigris River. And they captured much much of what was called the Fertile Crescent, modern-day Iraq, eastern Turkey, Syria. And they invaded northern Israel. And the Assyrians had this policy of exiling or moving around populations in order to keep them from rebelling and they exiled the ten ten tribes. They exiled ten of the tribes and um, those ten tribes um, were essentially taken out of Israel, the northern kingdom, and uh, they tried attacking Jerusalem as well, the Assyrians, the days of King Chizkiyahu, and uh, they besieged Jerusalem. And uh, in a great miracle, there was 185,000 officers of Sanherib, the Assyrian emperor, and they all died out in one night. God struck them, they all died out, and they were defeated. After that, King Chizkiyahu, the king of Judah, expanded the kingdom of Judah to cover all of Israel. So he took control of all of Israel, including what had been the northern kingdom. Um, And now the whole of Israel became Judah. Or Judea the whole the whole land of Israel became Judea or in Hebrew Yehuda and the people were known as Yehudim right which is Jews right from the land of Judah so that, that being the being whole land became Judah and then throughout the second temple period the land was always referred to as the land of Judea right the land of Judah um, the what happened to those other ten tribes so there's various Opinions as to what may have happened to them. Firstly, where did they go? We don't know exactly. They were probably exiled somewhere in the. um, They were probably exiled somewhere in the. um, In the Assyrian Empire, um, somewhere perhaps in Mesopotamia or maybe further east in Iran, somewhere around there. We don't know exactly where. Um, There's various theories. Um, What happened to them? A couple things may have happened. They may have assimilated into whatever culture it was, they were, many of them were already idolaters. Um, they, it was, the northern kingdom was not as loyal to God as the southern kingdom, generally. Um, they may have, the, the Midrash suggests that many of them came back after Chizkiyahu regained control of all of Israel. Many of them returned and became citizens of the land of Judah. And essentially merged with what was now the Yehudim, the Jews. And uh, another possibility is that they remained in Mesopotamia. Uh, About 150 years later, the rest of the, the Judea would be captured by the Babylonians. The Assyrian Empire would fall to the Babylonians. The Babylonians would capture Jerusalem. They would exile most of the Jews to Mesopotamia, to Babylon. And they may have mixed in now with the Jews that came later. Possible that it's a mix of all three. Some assimilated, some returned and some remained Jewish in Mesopotamia and later merged in with the Jews that came later. Uh, Regardless, the remainder of the people became known as Jews. Um, And after that, after the 10 tribes were exiled, we stopped tracking which tribe we were from. Everyone just became known as Yehudim, members of Judah. Even though they weren't all members of Judah, we know, for example, uh, we're told that Mordechai and Esther, from the Purim story, were from the tribe of Benjamin. Right? which was part of Judah, but a very minor tribe after it had been wiped out some hundreds of years earlier. Um, so we may be this, today the sense of other tribes. There's no way to really know. But generally, all tribes essentially merged into Judah, which became the dominant tribes. tribe. Uh, we are told by our prophets that in the future times when Moshiach will come, Hashem will restore the 12 tribes. And we will once again know which tribe we are from. Everyone will go back to their original portion, and there will once again be 12 tribes, as we had initially, um, all united under a single king from the house of David, as it was under David. Now, so this concept of the 12... Any questions before I've been talking a lot? (laughs) Yes, go ahead. Well, I've heard stories that there's a lost tribe of Israel. uh... Mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, I meant to mention that. So, so the ten tribes would be the lost ten tribes, right? They're lost. We don't know what happened to them. I just gave you three different possibilities, and very likely all three are true. Um, throughout our history, there have been sightings of the lost ten tribes. I, ten tribes were exiled. I had did a class previously about the 10 Lost Tribes. Um, you may recall, just very briefly, um, very briefly, we have throughout had these sightings of the 10 Lost Tribes. The, there have been people who claim to be members of the 10 Lost Tribes. There was a fellow in the 900s who showed up in Tunisia, which was in a very large Jewish community. Um, in Kirwan um, was the kind of center. And, it, and uh, he claimed to be from the tribe of Dan and claimed that they lived in Ethiopia, the tribe of Dan. Um, how the Assyrian emperor would have gotten people to Ethiopia, who knows? right? He claimed, actually, that they left on their own. They went down to Ethiopia on their own. Um, and they had their own kingdom in Ethiopia. And he had all these fantastical stories. He even wrote a book called, El, um, called Eldad Hadani. His name was Eldad from the tribe of Dan. Um, was he real? Was he an impostor? Who knows, right? No one knows. Um, I guess there's no way to know. Later, there was another fellow um, who claimed in the 1400s who claimed to be from, oh, 1500s who claimed to be from the tribe of um, Reuben, also from Ethiopia, who showed up in Egypt um, and later made his way to Italy. Um, so there have been various individuals who claimed to be from the 12 tribe, 10 lost tribes people who claim to have found the ten tribes. Um, there have been various nations that claim to be from the ten tribes. Um, there, uh, alternatively, there there have been groups in India that claim to be from the Ten Tribes. Um, there have been um, people who claim that the Pashtuns in Afghanistan are from the Ten Tribes, uh, Ten Lost Tribes. There have been the Japanese at one point claimed to be from, there have been claims that they were from the Ten Lost Tribes. There were claims that the American Natives, American Indians, were from the Ten Lost Tribes. Um, in fact, an interesting tidbit, Manasseh ben Israel, who was the chief rabbi of, who was the ra- a rabbi from Amsterdam, who convinced Oliver Cromwell to allow, and the parliament to allow Jews back in. and he spoke to Parliament and convinced them to allow Jews back into England, part of his argument was that since the 10 Lost Tribes have been found in the Americas, this is in the early 17th century, since the 10 Lost Tribes have been found, the American Indians in the Americas, they were the hidden tribes still keeping the Torah, still speaking Hebrew, so he claimed, um, and so it is time for the uh, redemption to come, for Moshiach to come, and so um, the only holding back Moshiach coming is Israel has to be scattered in the four corners of the earth and since England is a corner right if you look at a map England's in the corner and Jews are not living in England so until Jews live in England the Messiah can't come and so he spoke to a pure parliament of Puritans right that was during the um, in the revolutionary days after um, uh, of England when um, um, when the par- parliament was all Puritans and they took him very seriously and allowed Jews to return to Egypt to England. But he did claim that they had found the Ten Lost Tribes in Americas. Um, More recently, in the late 19th century, um, there was this discovery of monotheistic tribes, tribes that believed only in the Old Testament and not the New Testament, in in, um, Ethiopia. And there was this claim that these Ethiopians are descendants of the Ten Lost Tribes, descendants of Jews, And there had been a lot of discussion about it back and forth. Uh, Maybe one day we could do a class about that. I know it's a very controversial issue um, as to whether those Ethiopian people from Ethiopia who were monotheistic, but did not really have speak Hebrew, uh, have any part of the Torah other than kind of the Christian Old Testament, um, whether they were Legitimate Jews, descendants of Jews, descendants of the Ten Lost Tribes—they uh, didn't have very very great records, so it's hard to really know. Uh, so there's been a lot of discussion about it, but they've definitely claimed to be from the, those tribes. Uh, many of them have since converted to Judaism, um, and the um, and uh, Israel did in the 80s, early 90s, uh, Israel did bring many of them to the land of Israel, and give them citizenship as Jews. A lot of, uh, Sorry. There's a lot of now so Ethiopian there's Jews there's in Israel. Besides exactly Ethiopian, isn't there some others besides from other? There's from some people that claim to be from the Ten Lost Tribes in um, in India have been brought to Israel as well. And Mormons also believe that they okay. are descendants of one of the lost tribes. Okay. Okay. So the look, there's a lot of there's a whole movement today in this country of. African-Americans who believe they are, you know, from the 12, from the the real Jews from the 12 tribes, from the 10 Lost Tribes. Um, There's there's a whole movement, some that are pro-Jews, some that are anti-Semitic, but they've been in the news a lot recently. Uh, But yeah, there's a lot of people that claim to be. So let's get back to our, we got off topic, let's get back to our, um, talk about the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes are a central part of our people. Um, and Kabbalah teaches that while the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are the fathers of all of Israel and our mothers, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, the 12 sons of of Jacob are each intermediaries between the patriarchs and the rest of Israel. So while the patriarchs and matriarchs are general ancestors of all of Israel, the tribes are more defin- more individual or more um our ancestors of a particular group of a particular tribe, essentially intermediaries between the patriarchs and us. And for us to connect to God, there isn't just a single path to connect to God. The Arizal explains that there are many different channels to connect to God. And each person has a unique channel to connect to God. And they're all (coughs) part of a group. And each person is part of a different group and a different channel to connect to God. And that is why they were split into four groupings. The, um, the Prophet Ezekiel describes the chariot of God, the Merkava, uh, which is this great spiritual vision that he had. And he speaks of four groupings of angels on the four sides of the Merkava, on the four, so- the four corners of this, four sides of this chariot. And um, the four groupings of the tribes in the desert represented the four sides of the Merkava, of the chariot, each split into three parts. So there are essentially 12 channels through which God connects to us, and uh, those are represented in the twelve tribes. Um, those are each one is a different channel through which God connects to us, and that is why the Torah, the uh, Book of Kings, actually tells us when Solomon built the temple, he built a pool in the temple, Yam Shel Shlomo. He built this big pool in the temple um, that was used for the Kohenim to wash their hands, and it's described in great detail. This Solomon's pool. And um, the pole stood on 12 bulls. Each bull faced, three bulls face in each direction. Three bulls to the north, three bulls to the south, three bulls to the east, three bulls to the west. And so they represented the 12 tribes of Israel in that grouping of four, again, representing four different sides or directions from which we relate to God and each one subdividing into three 12 channels total of how we can relate to God so there are these 12 unique channels uh, to connect to God through these 12 channels Um, Kabbalah in Kabbalah in the book of formation book of Yetzirah it it tells us that those are the Yud Beis Gevulei Alachsam the third the 12 um, connections that we have between God and His between God and us, there are these twelve connections, and they are actually seen. Um, well, the four sides are occur in nature, right? There's four sides in nature: north, south, east, west. Um, That's the twelve are split into. Um, there are also, if you take a cube, you will see that there are twelve. Um, there are twelve angles on each cube. And those 12 angles on each cube are representi- represent these 12 channels that we have to connect to God. Mm-hmm. So um, the result therefore says that we, we have these different paths, these different channels to connect to God. He explains that's why there are many variations in prayer. Um, there are different siddurim, different prayer books, um, different communities and different traditions, and that's because there are different channels. In the days of the 12 tribes, there were those 12 channels, and Rizal says each of the 12 tribes made their own prayer book, had their own way to connect to God. It was only later that it all got united, but then into a single prayer book for everyone, but even then there were variations of that original prayer book, and that's because in these different communities, and each community not only has its own prayers, but its own customs and traditions, and uh, we've done some classes we've spoken about variations in Jewish custom and variations in Jewish tradition between different communities, different unique communities. And the reason for those variations, Narizal says, is because there isn't a single channel to connect to God. There are different channels and different ways to connect to God. The, um, par- the metaphor that's often given is like an orchestra. If you have an orchestra where everyone is playing the same instrument, it won't sound very good. You need different musicians to play different instruments so in the same way in our relationship to god we have different communities with different customs different traditions um, the same torah same commandments but different culture different customs and traditions because we have a different way of slightly slight variations because each one has a different channel to god so that's why israel was split to remind us that not everybody has the same relationship with god not everyone has the same Channel same way to get to god we're not supposed to all be the same we're supposed to be different we're supposed to be unique and that reason then continues not only do we have 12 general channels or general channels split by each community every individual has their own path to god and no two people's path to god is the same everyone has their own way of connecting to god each person is part of a different group each person has a unique role So that is the power of the 12 tribes of Israel. When Mashiach comes, the 12 tribes will, God willing, um, be restored. We will discover which tribe we are from. There will be members still left of each of the 12 tribes. And then we will once again live um, each community by its own tribe.